And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Trudatis. Today on our show on America Can We Talk, we're going to talk about Valentine's Day and Americans need love. FBI goes police state on the Catholics. The IRS goes police state on waiters and waitresses. And who is attacking Project Veritas? And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie George Addis. First of all, happy Valentine's Day. I should have worn a red jacket. Happy Valentine's Day. I love celebrating Valentine's Day. There was a great little posting. Um, it was actually um, not by me, but somebody else, but I shared it. It was talking about Valentine's Day. It's a great thing to share Valentine's Day, you know, obviously with your spouse, your husband, your wife, or, you know, um, your boyfriend or girlfriend, but share it, just share love, share it with your family, tell your friends you love them, your cousins, your children. I love that about Valentine's Day, the idea of celebrating love. And in this particular, and I guess the one thing I've noticed about that, in recent years where there's just been so much seeming division in America, I mean, so many people um, just, um, you know, seemingly divided, families divided, you know, families not speaking over politics, um, and a lot of division in society, it is really a great thing to um, begin to just tell your friends that you love them. I mean, I've noticed in recent years, friends that I've talked to on the phone for years and years, you know, and they'll call to say, hey, you know, are we meeting for coffee next Tuesday? Or what do you think about this issue? But more and more, my really good friends close the call by saying, love you. And they are not, it is a recent phenomenon I'm noticing. It is that people, it's like they kind of have an unspoken yearning to have affirmation of love in our society because of how divided it seems. But I wanna to focus today on, on Valentine's Day, and the Super Bowl um, ads um, and love. So if you really think about what's happened to America, people are common, you know, use the expression that America is so divided. And I just said, you know, America is so divided. But actually what we are watching, what is occurring in America is the outcome. It is the, the almost inevitable outcome of the momentum that the Marxist left has achieved in America, the just Marxist, anti-American uh, movement in this country that has now literally overtaken, utterly overtaken the Democrat party. I mean, they are just driven by Marxism and recognizing the way Karl Marx, and this, this we've been over so many times in this show, I won't do the long history again, but this is a growing movement really headed our way in America over the last 100 years. But in the last 20 years, the rise of radical leftism, of Marxism headed to communism, it is more prevalent, it's more out in the open, it's no longer hidden as it was for many years. One of the primary means that leftists and Marxists use to achieve power is to divide society. It is divide back in the time when it was just, you know, original Marxism, Leninism kind of idea that they would, they divided society by class, by economic class, tried to make people feel like, you know, um, 
the poor peasants were uh, being repressed and the, the ruling elite had to be overtaken. They had to have their wealth taken away. And that was the kind of the uh, one avenue by which Marx has divided society really historically in the world um, was to argue about economic disparities. In America, as we've talked about in the show, cultural Marxism is just this idea. You don't really use economics because the argument doesn't fly very well here because we have economic mobility and potential. But the concept of Marxist gaining power, leftists in this country gaining power by intentionally dividing people is on, on parade, on spectacle for anyone paying attention to this country. So when you, we say that there is, you know, there is a division in our society, what we're really seeing is the outcome, the intentional outcome of this push with cultural or just, just leftism, Marxism. So for example, you can't have an intelligent discussion about border policy. You can't say, I believe in a strong border and enforcing the border because otherwise, if you say that the left doesn't respond with an intelligent argument about why they abandon the borders, they respond by calling you a xenophobe or a hater. The same thing is true about the issue of reparations. There are some people who believe we should do uh, reparations in this country. Uh, itself, a very, very stridently Marxist agenda. But the answer, if you don't believe in uh, reparations for slavery uh, to be paid out in this in this era in this time then you're called a racist a hater uh you know uh you're just you're just vilified there's no intelligent discussion about reparations well that phenomenon of asserting a position and then the response of the left is to attack you you're not allowed to think you're not allowed to discuss election integrity because then you're called a danger you're a terrorist if you even want to discuss election fraud in this country same thing is true about covid policy about existing treatments and their efficacy about the danger of the vaccines can't talk about that it's not just you're told you're wrong you're told you can't talk about that and we have to hate you because you think that we must hate you because you say that and so this is not accidental what we're watching in society is not just a you know, happenstance development, it is intentional. It's at least intentional in the minds and hearts and actions of the high level people who are orchestrating this, who love to see division in America, who live to see division in America. Those people, certainly George Soros, Barack Obama, his whole team, little minions around him, who love the division they are sowing. And it is out of the Biden administration, many of these policies are continuing to come forth that divide America and the tactic of responding to the people who don't agree with you, calling them uh, names and, and using ridicule. These are right out of the playbook. And I brought this book with me and I could talk about much today because we talked about it many times on the show before. It's called Rules for Radicals. Uh, this is kind of the Bible to Obama and the left. Um, and uh, just two quick things. This is, you know, basically Saul Alinsky is talking about how to take over America for communism. Um, he talks about uh, the only three things I was going to mention from there because it's so much what we're watching today. Uh, one is uh, basically the ends justify the means for virtually entirely. If you want a particular end, like you want to abandon borders, you don't care how many people die because of fentanyl poisoning. You don't care how many kids lose out on education because the schools are flooded with children who aren't ready to start school. And so the school changes their entire curriculum and focus to help students who don't have any legal right to be there. You don't care about every single bad impact coming from an open border because you want 
globalism. And so the open border, you're going to live with the consequences. Second Solinsky uh, thing, there, there was the, um, you know, the means justify the ends. Um, also talked endlessly about the idea, Solinsky does, about the idea of using general terms that people can relate to. They go, well, sure, I'm in favor of that. So his examples are, use terms like liberty, equality, fraternity, for the common welfare, you know, uh, future pursuit of happiness. Use terms that people can say, well, who'd be against that? I'm in favor of that. That's what the left does all the time. Uh, one other, uh, two other last points. Um, he, Saul Linsky, regularly encouraged one of his most potent rules was, was rules for how you carry forth this communist takedown of America is the idea that ridicule is man's most potent weapon, meaning when you, you, you target somebody, and that's the fifth one was, or his 13th rule was pick a target, freeze it, personalize it, polarize it. And that is what the left has done uh, in, to start with against Donald Trump, but really more broadly against conservatives. So you polarize someone and you ridicule them to death. That is what the left is doing. And that is why we're seeing what seems to be such a divided society because we are seeing the outcome of what the left has been trying to do for decades. Now, back to the Super Bowl, um, which I will tell you, we never saw the halftime show at our house. We turned off the game and uh, had a nice dinner together. Um, so I didn't see the, I don't have anything to say about the um, halftime show, although I'm sure I would not have enjoyed it. But um, I do want to comment on the uh, one or the two ads that have caused so much controversy and kind of closing out my point in this first five. There were ads two ads in total that were put on, had the theme at the end, uh, it's about Jesus and he gets us. That was the, the tagline, he gets us, Jesus, he gets us. And it was about the idea, uh, one of, and so one of them was, uh, you know, a childlike thing showing children being loving and nice to each other. And, you know, uh, Jesus said, Jesus didn't want us to act like a, adults, um, he, uh, act like children being uh, loving and accepting and all that. And Jesus, he gets us, all of us. The other one had a series of images of people who were arguing, getting each other's faces and yelling, and, and the, ad, the theme of the ad then, again, got around to uh, pushing unconditional love. Uh, Jesus loved the people we hate was one screen line, and then it has what could possibly be louder, more powerful than hate. Love can, not just any kind of love, confounding love, unconditional love, sacrificial love, the love we see in Jesus. I'm going to tell you in a moment AOC's response to those ads. But first, I sent to Emilio, my wonderful and patient producer, I sent him a copy, uh, a, a video to play this first ad, the Super Bowl ad that is uh, that we're talking about right, right now, because it ties my whole point about love needed in America. The left tries to divide us, but we do need love. And here's us play that ad. Maybe I'm blind Thinking I can see through this And see what's behind Got no way to prove it So maybe I'm lying Take a look in the mirror What do you see? Do you see it clearer? Or are you deceived? In what you believe? Cause I'm only human
Now, you know, folks, I have seen uh, a lot of critique coming from the um, relatively conservative Christians uh, criticizing the ad, saying it's making Christianity too simplistic. You know, uh, it's not all about love. It's about following the commandments. And, all. And, and it's true that this ad is not intended to convey the entirety of Christian theology, but is trying to inject the idea into the American culture again in the millions who watch the Super Bowl that we actually can love each other. And we can love each other even if we don't agree with each other. We can love each other even if we're kind of angry about someone's actions. It doesn't mean we just go along with, like I, I might say, I, I know as a Christian, I love my neighbors myself. I love my enemies because I follow the Sermon on the Mount or I try to, and, and that's what Jesus taught, love your enemies, all that. I can love them. I don't have to hate them, but I can hate their ideas and I can argue with you and tell you, explain to you how very, very dangerous the ideas of leftism, Marxism, all of that are. I can tell you those things and we can have that discussion, but it doesn't mean we have to turn into the hate that the left is trying to breed into this culture, just trying to inject into this culture. So the message with that those two ads were put out uh, at great expense, I think it was $20 million or something, um, by uh, basically by an organization uh, that is trying to spread that message, not just in the Super Bowl ads, but many other places. Hobby Lobby being one of the main groups behind it, the funder, um, funder of it. You know, the Hobby Lobby is a, a very successful organization. Uh, their CEO, David Green, uh, deeply Christian, and uh, successfully argued the Supreme Court that his organization did not have to comply with the LGBTQ agenda and provide contraceptives in their healthcare plan because it's inconsistent with their faith. I'm getting around to saying this and closing up my longer than five, first five. This idea that is being pushed in those ads and is apparently going to be a bulletin board ad, there's a website you can go to, is the idea that we can actually have a civilization, a society in America where we can have an, we can recognize we don't agree, we're going to have some conflicts, but we have a higher law of love, that love can defeat hate. The reason, the reason this kind of thinking drives the left-wing America completely out of their minds, including AOC, whose tweet I'm going to show you in just a second, the reason these kind of ads drive the left nuts is because the left thrives and derives their political power from division and hatred. Leftism is utterly opposed to the idea of God, of a society based on, on Judeo-Christian values and faith. The left, as every Marxist since time began, since Marxism began, Marxism, communism, Leninism, socialism, lump them all in one ugly, disgusting pot, all of those isms rely on the idea that the people must be pummeled out of belief in, in anything, any superior power. They, they must be beaten to death to get them, get rid of the idea of faith because the left communists need to have the people worship the government. They have to have the people looking to the government for truth, for answers, for all power. And when you have a society that believes in the power of God and the goodness of God, who has a higher sense of what life is all about than kowtowing to a federal government, those people are very, very hard to turn to and force into submission to socialism and communism. This is why since communist revolutions happened around the world, among the first people, the communist marauders attacked were the religious leaders, were priests and pastors. This is not, this is dot connecting we must do. 
AOC's hatred of the message of love coming from the Christian community in America. And her, let's just put up her tweet, if you will. She had a really snarky tweet. You know, her tweet was basically this, um, something tells me Jesus would not spend millions of dollars on Super Bowl ads to make fascism look benign. Okay, you can come back. So her, you know, she uses the word fascism because she has the intelligence, she might be intelligent. She has the reasoning power of a, you know, a, a dim sixth grader. They use the word fascism as left always does. They pick words that will make people feel fearful or upset or concerned. There's nothing fascist about an ad saying we should love each other. Jesus loves us. We should love each other. That, that is not an ad of hate. But she has to make it that way because she is among the prime leaders of the extreme. Sadly, you know, she's a juvenile um, in her assessment of life and her mentality, but she has a position of power in, in Washington. She is determined to be part of that leftist movement that drives religious faith out of society. So she's outraged. She calls a, a message of love each other and Jesus loves us as fascism. And she was asked about it and she got all snarky about it. But I mean, she's basically saying, well, you know, because these institutions, this Christian faith doesn't support the LGBTQ community. Okay. You know, she may be right. Many Christian churches do not support the LGBTQ agenda. They certainly don't support transgendering kindergartners, which, you know, the left supports. So here we are at this point in America where this country founded on freedom of speech and the idea of the robust debate of ideas, the left's entire argument on any topic is to call you fascist or racist or a bigot or a hater. One of the other words they recycle over and over and over. The best answer to someone like AOC to utterly ignore her, utterly ignore it. it's silliness and her, this whole, I, I kind of, I didn't know about this ad campaign ahead of time before Super Bowl. But I kind of like the idea that um, the American culture needs a, a mature idea of loving each other to be reintroduced. As I say, the idea of love your neighbor, love your enemies, it is a, it is fundamental to the Christian faith and, and to, the Juda to Judaism too. But it's not the idea, love your neighbor doesn't mean I will agree with everything you say. That's how AOC means it and all the Marxist left means it. When they say something, you must agree with them or you're a hater and they hate you and they teach their followers to hate you. And this is how they roll. It's how they live. It's how they function, how they drive power. So the idea of mature concept of love your neighbor, meaning you can have a robust debate of ideas. You can have policies and conclusions, and you can do this through debate. But we have in our country a profound importance of respecting not just the freedom of speech, but the freedom of religion, which means not just you can think about your religion, the privacy of your own home, but you can live out your faith in your life. And this is what the left is saying. No, you can't do that. It really is very instructive. I'll probably be talking more about this love idea because as I started off by saying, you know, it's Valentine's Day. I hope, you know, you're all expressing love to your friends, your family, your children, your parents, whoever in your life you love, uh, express love, but recognize the place of love in a mature Christian society is a place where you can entertain differences of thought, differences of values, and still absolutely love your neighbor as yourself. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five, or more like 20, but first five. Okay, so I want to go on a quick uh, thing here. It's related to this. The, um, you may have seen this story, but uh, the FBI, I, I call this segment, I think, the FBI uh, goes police state um, on Catholics. 
I want to I'll quickly tell the story. So uh, in the uh, FBI off, field office in Virginia, uh, there was very fortunately for the American citizenry, someone leaked a memo uh, that was going around in the Virginia field office of the FBI. And essentially, this memo was talking about how the FBI was going to begin to target certain Catholics. And, uh, you know, the Catholic religion that is a Christian faith, the oldest Christian faith on the planet, I mean, you know, derived from the times of shortly after Jesus, um, that's what the Catholic faith is. It's endured, you know, millennia and is, you know, around the world, a, a very uh, popular, widely uh, accepted religion. So the FBI decided they had to target um, the, um, the Catholic community. And I want to just tell you some of the things, I'm going to tell you what they had to say and what it tells you, it, it buttresses or my, it underscores my point to you that we are watching division and and um, really a dangerous um, uh, enmity in our society um, cultivated by leftist Marxist thinking, cultivated by today's American left now in power. So the FBI memo wants to label traditional Catholics as violent white supremacists. And you might think, well, that didn't really happen, but it did. This FBI report reveals that their Richmond, Virginia division was investigating the threat of white supremacy among Catholics who prefer the Latin mass. And to me in particular, they have a name for this. They, the FBI created a category of dangerous citizens, uh, and these are radical traditionalist Catholics. They have RTCs. RTCs, Radical Traditional Catholics. And they are people um, who essentially um, reject the Second Vatican Council, um, you know, and and which was a kind of a modernization in the view of some people of the Catholic Church. Um, and uh, they had, uh, so that, and they are they're claiming they're concerned uh, that the radical traditional traditionalist Catholics who want the, apparently want the mass to be in Latin. They uh, stand with the original uh, Vatican Council, the first Vatican Council um, that stands for life and marriage and, and more traditional Catholic views versus the second Vatican. Um, and so they worried, the FBI claims, they're worried about the RTCs, radical traditionalist Catholics, uh, increasingly fraternizing with racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists RMVE, they always have these acronyms, RMVE, racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists. So they're claiming with, and when you read what they had to say, based on foolish nothingness, they're claiming in this internal memo in the FBI that they're concerned about traditional Catholics because they might be kind of locking arms with the white extremists, with, with um, white, um, white, uh, I don't know what they're called, um, white supremacist um, ideology. Let me just make a few points. First of all, in America, the Catholic Church is about 40% Hispanic, which usually depends on which political argument the left is trying to make, but usually um, they don't go with Hispanics as being white. But anyway, the, so the Catholic Church in America, 40% Hispanic, also obvious from the memo was the language in the memo indicated that the FBI had already infiltrated, they, the FBI, infiltrated the RTCs, the Radical Traditionalist Catholics, because they refer to having liaison reporting. And the whistleblower who turned this in said, liaisons are overt contacts with trusted members of a community or an industry, suggesting the FBI has already been investigating Americans based on their religion. 
And they've already got reports from people who talk to these, you know, really crazy people. And I think a lot of the division in the Catholic Church, I mean, the First Vatican uh, Council, you know, held two traditional values about, you know, marriage and uh, sexuality and morality um, and and life. And so, uh, and so the Second Vatican uh, one is more palatable. Um, Second Vatican Council more palatable to the leftists, I guess, because they like its views about, I guess, more pro LGBTQ. I'm getting into, though, what this memo was saying, in addition to the fact that the word liaison means they've already been looking at uh, and, and kind of uh, sending investigators, spies, to get into, into Catholic um, groups, uh, they also potentially considered mitigating the threat with tripwire and source development, which means further infiltration, infiltration into Catholic communities among various kinds of informants. They're looking for informants to get inside the Catholic Church. As I say, when you look at the, you have to uh, connect 29 uh, dots to even get at the point that there's any real worry about, you know, this white extreme, extremism. But I want to get the point, the, the real point for, for my show, for the purposes of my show. In America, the First Amendment, the freedom of religion, freedom of speech, these are fundamental to living in a free society. I'm going to tell you 20 years ago, no entity in the whole U.S. government would have thought it was reasonable to start picking on a particular religion because they had a particular Christian religion, especially because they had a division of thinking within that religion. And they, and, and so what you're seeing is the FBI infiltrated, uh, whether knowingly at the top levels or just lower level people who are functioning as useful idiots who just go along with what they're told, they actually thought it might be a legitimate thing, a legitimate thing to worry about whether Catholics who are more traditional might be a threat, an extremist threat, a terrorist threat, because they're more traditional in their beliefs, because they actually kind of think, I mean, I'm not Catholic. I, I have dear friends who are Catholic. Do I have family members who are, who are very devout Catholics, and I don't even know which side of the aisle they fall. All of them fall on these questions, but I do know that Catholicism, like basically every other Christian religion in America, is entitled to great respect under the First Amendment. Great respect. You shouldn't be invading unless there is absolutely concern that your religion is going to lead to actual terrorist attacks or something of that ilk. We have allowed the idea of thinking or not going along with the group think the left has attempted to inflict on America if, on LGBTQ and a whole bunch of other questions. The FBI sees that as good enough reason to maybe start looking into this, figure out these people are, I don't know, what do you think they think? I mean, it just, it's the most astonishing thing. Um, and they're, um, you know, when you think of what the FBI doesn't do, I mean, the amount of fentanyl deaths in this country ought to be motivating the FBI to double, triple, quadruple the number of agents they put on the line very near the Mexican border with all of the drugs pouring forth uh, into our country. There ought to be, because of actual deaths of innocent Americans from fentanyl, there ought to be a massive, massive increase in what the FBI does to get after drug smugglers, to lock them up for life. 
I mean, it's so painful what's happening in America. Those kind of people and also the actual people who stir up violence, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, those groups that barely got prosecuted for all the 2020 rioting in the streets weeks after week after week after week and funded by funded by the Chinese Communist Party and directly as well as indirectly through entities in America. That's who Antifa and Black Lives Matter are. And neither group, I mean, very, very minimal prosecutions, no in-depth investigation, nothing like that was done to groups that actually are immediate dangers. And the FBI, at least to their minimal credit, when this uh, document was leaked, uh, they they pulled back the memo and said, never mind, we didn't really mean that. I'm going to tell you, people, I'm glad they pulled it back. I mean, I'm glad at least they had the cognizance of how it's perceived by America to say, you know what, we're not really doing that. But it is a window on the level of corruption and just infiltration and poisoning of the mindset of high level officials in America that you even have an FBI sitting there in their field office in Virginia contemplating whether or not to go after the Catholics, because after all, they might be violent extremists. I mean, it is it is a true eye-opening um, eye-opening experience for anyone actually paying attention um, that they would even be talking about doing this uh, over ideology. And the, um, by the way, a quick point on the white supremacists, that's also make everyone so scared. The white supremacist threat in this country is exactly at zero. You need to understand that. We don't have a white supremacist problem. We have a cooked up by the Marxists trying to divide America, alleged white supremacist problem. It's not real. Very quickly, radio listeners, you're about to go off on a break. Come back in three minutes to America. Can we talk? I'll be right here. Come right back. So back to everybody else. So here talking to us, um, I think you have to really, I mean, I, I had the date on my desk the other day and I didn't pull it out for today's show, but the risk of white supremacists in this country is a big, statistically speaking, statistically speaking, is a big, fat, zero, zip, nada, nothing. It is a concoction of the Marxist left whether or not it comes out of the mouth of Joe Biden, high military officials, FBI people, it is a concoction used to orchestrate this division of America the Marxists have been working on and dreaming of and striving to create, and it doesn't exist. America is an extraordinarily great and unique country with, I mean, I'm not going to say, I mean, there are racists in every group in the world, every race, ethnicity, national origin, and skin color, you're going to find a few really bad apples who are racist and who think up plots against each other, against other people. But in America, and if you actually, based on crime statistics, it's a non-existent phenomena. It is a phenomenon the left has decided will scare Americans into submission, scare Americans into giving away freedom, to acknowledging and allowing the FBI to grow in its power, its surveillance, its infiltration. It is not a real issue. It is concocted to scare voters, to create the Black Lives Matter, to justify the Black Lives Matter anger, to justify the agenda of the 1619 Project, Black Lives Matter, divide America by race, and so this white supremacist threat, which is not statistically existent, is there to divide America, just like so much else the left does, is there to divide America. Real racism, whether real racism occurs uh, as a result of the actions or thinking or words of any American of any skin color is pure evil. Racism is evil. 
Racism is evil. It was evil when we had slavery. It was evil when we had segregation. It is evil in the minds of people today who think along the lines of race, who see life along the lines of race. Racism isn't evil, including it is an evil when it is spewing out of the lips of people, pushing critical race theory, pushing 1619 Project, pushing hatred of America's founding ideas, and instead trying to divide the country into silos by race and make us hate each other. That is racism. What they are pushing, that is racism. There is racism, a small amount around this country in a variety of groups, but it's not the problem the left tries to claim it is and is spewed out by them as an alleged problem because they get power from it. They convince uh, people to give up their power because of this supposed existence of this radical, radical racism. So to wrap up, I use the term police state as the, um, the, uh, what the FBI is doing and going after the Catholics. The idea that you're going to have the Federal Bureau of Investigation with its almost unlimited powers, almost unlimited powers to spy, to surveil, to uh, ruin your life, ruin your job, make false charges, all of that, all of that in the hands of people who are motivated by this Marxist, uh, let's divide America if we can mindset to go after the Catholics. I mean, fortunately, as I say, they, they review, they pulled back the memo because the public outrage was so extreme. They had to go, okay, never mind, we didn't mean that. But understand, they gave you, they opened the window for you. They, they pulled back the veil. They showed you who they are. The FBI showed you who they are and where their mindset really is only because the memo was released, was uh, leaked, were they forced to take it back. Okay, welcome back to our radio listeners. Um, I want to quick tell you about two things before we get to my next two stories. Um, and I can't wait to talk about this IRS story uh, and about Project Veritas. Before I do, I do this show, America Can We Talk, to speak up for the unique greatness of America. It's the only motivation I have to do this show. And I love hearing from our listeners. You can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. At that website, you can uh, read, you can listen to all our past shows, past interviews, read our past blog posts, uh, look at our summaries. We call it at the end of every show, we do a Why It Matters segment. Those are up at the website, our weekly newsletters there. You can also donate there. Please understand this show is listener supported. So I'd love, love to have you consider donating to make this show keep on rolling at americacanwetalk.org. There's a donate button on the homepage. You hit that donate button. You can make a contribution. You can join America Can We Talk. You can online, you can see how you can join. Um, it's $50 a year. It's a great deal. Um, and love to have you do that. You get a discount at our fall, um, our, our, be our fourth annual Fourth annual Women for Freedom Summit coming up this fall. They are just fabulous, really high quality, substantive, wonderful uh, summits we put on every year. Fourth one's coming up in November. I'll tell you about that a little bit later. Um, and you can also, and I want to encourage you to think about ways to support this show that may bring nice things to your life too. Uh, one is to go to My Pillow. If you, uh, there is a you know, mypillow.com uh, is the website, and My Pillow has an amazing wide array of great, great pot products. At mypillow.com, you can get pillows and blankets and sheets and uh, slippers and bathrobes and mattress covers and just a whole array of truly high quality products. And at MyPillow.com, the reason I'm urging you to go there is when you finish picking all these great items that you are going to purchase as you're checking out is ask for the promo code. Put in Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, Debbie G. 
you get up to 66% off on your whole purchase. You get great quality products. You get a great price. They are delivered right to your home. And I get a small payment uh, based on your order. And so it's a way to support the show, get good stuff for you and your friends. Make a gift. Uh, I mean, buy gifts for your friends there. Just, just if you can, I'd love to have you do that. Go to MyPillow.com, shop regularly, uh, buy a bunch, get up to the discount, putting in the promo code DEBBIEG, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, and you'll make everybody happy. You, my pillow, you get great products. I get a small payment. We rock and roll. And so the other thing you can do is I become, I'm, now I'm working with um, a, a group that's based here in Texas, right outside of Dallas, called Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile uh, is the only cell phone provider uh, in the country that is a conservative Christian group, and they actually make donations. They make their corporate donations to causes you would love. So this, and so I just switched, I would not tell you about this if I wasn't using it myself. My husband and I just switched to Patriot Mobile. So you can go to patriotmobile.com uh, slash Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G. You find a wide array of the um, packages you can choose. So you, uh, one will fit your budget um, and you can get a, your phone there. If you need to get a phone, you can also get the, um, the service from Patriot Mobile. They use the same cell towers your company uses. So you're not going to lose out. Same cell tower, same great coverage. And uh, they also there have a promo code put in Debbie G D E B B I E G. If you do that, they will waive your activation fee, and you'll be rocking and rolling. You'll stop making your paying your cell phone dollars uh, to a phone company. All the other ones give to causes you would never one million years consider donating to. So go to patriotmobile.com slash Debbie G, get a Patriot Mobile account. I do it. Many patriots are signing up. It's really a wave happening on the conservative side, recognizing you're making your money go farther for uh, you and for the causes you believe in. So patriotmobile.com slash Debbie G. Go there, get a sign up Patriot Mobile, and you'll be so glad you did. We are glad we did. Okay, so um, I'm going to do two last things today, two stories I hope to hit. Um, I, the previous segment I called the FBI goes uh, police state on the Catholics. The IRS goes police state on waiters and waitresses. And I really want to tell you how strongly I mean this. So this morning, I sometimes do uh, political analysis for uh, media, other media groups. So I had a, a media thing this morning. And... Um, was on this story. And so, you know, basically, I think you've probably heard the IRS going to have 89,000 new agents, thanks Joe Biden and the Democrats. Um, and so you're going to get, you know, a mound of new agents who have nothing better to do than to try to, you know, target people who are going to be audited and, you know, find some reason to get after those people. But they've announced, so a lot of talk at the beginning was, well, you know, they're just going to go after the billionaires. This is always the left's line. They're going to go after the billionaires. So, you know, the average person, you don't have to worry. You know, they're, they're going to, all these new 89,000 new agents who are allowed to be armed, very alarming, uh, are going after the rich. But they're not. They had a recent announcement. The new plan they have, a new initiative is for the IRS agents to go after waiters and waitresses for unreported tips. And worse, worse than that, the enforcement mechanism, the plan is that the IRS is going to partner with the retail outlets, the restaurant owners. So they're gonna partner with the restaurant owners to encourage the restaurant owners to, you know, number one, encourage their employees, the waiters and waitresses to turn in their tips, to report their tips as income, but also to turn in their employees. You know, so, hey, you know, I think so-and-so is getting some tips she's not reporting. He's not reporting. 
And so this is their grand new, a new initiative, and it's floating out there, and they're kind of proud of it. It's on their website. In fact, I put a link to it. Pretty sure there's a link to it on our website. Okay, everything I talk about today, you can go to our website and read americacanemytalk.org on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links. I believe I put a link to what the IRS is saying. I am not making this up or exaggerating. I just want to tell you some of the consequences and what you should uh, derive or conclude uh, what this means for America. Number one, the Democrats always used to say that they were the party of the little guy. This is why, you know, old school grandma and grandpa used to vote Democrat because, you know, Democrats care about the little guy and, you know, Republicans are the rich, you know, business owners. Exactly the opposite is happening. Now, you have to list, uh, recognize what I just said. Th those are days gone by. The Democrat Party is nothing like that now. What you're seeing out of the Democrat Party today, this willingness to go after the tips of waiters and waitresses, which I'm going to tell you, in the grand scheme of America's tax collection, the grand scheme of America's economy is not going to amount to a hill of beans in changing tax collection. In the grand scheme of the amount of taxes people pay and the money the federal government takes in, not going to amount to a hill of beans. And they know this. They know this. They're not thinking, wow, we're going to really up the money to the Treasury now. So then, so what you're really seeing is this big brotherish mentality that is part and parcel of being a Marxist, of being a leftist. Marxists live, leftists live, Democrats live in this country to control your life, to take away your freedom, to make you feel like they're watching your every move. It is the IRS down into the nitty gritty details of how much Susie Q made for tips last Saturday. And she actually declared every single last nickel, did she or not? And so you have that the entire shift of the Marxists, the left who used to be for the little guy, they are now, they are the party of tyranny and big government control and the police state mentality. Because I want you to think about where this takes us. So you're a waiter or waitress and you work for a, you know, whatever kind of, um, you know, restaurant you work in. And now you know that your boss, your employer, your restaurant is required by the IRS to tattle on you, to turn you in. They're required to pester you. Hey, Sally, did you turn in all your tips? Did you declare them all? And then they're entitled, they're required to turn you in to the government. It creates division within the, uh, the community of waitresses and waiters, you know, people work in restaurants. So now the management and the waiters and, and wait, wait staff are at odds with each other because the management is going to turn you in and you know they're going to turn you in. And so, I mean, the entire, it is creates exactly what the left loves to create, which is division and resentment. But it's even worse than that. You know, one argument that the Marxists, when they tried to come to America, wanted to make America into this Marxist haven, you know, one reason they had a really hard time doing it, even when the communists came in the 1920s, was America really is a land of opportunity. It really has upward mobility. It really has the freedom and capacity of the everyday citizen to make a good life. It really is a land of opportunity. And one of the primary ways, one of the primary ways that the industry, excuse me, <clears throat> that someone who is not educated, you know, doesn't have a college degree, or you don't, you're not a doctor, a lawyer, or an architect, or something, you know, but you're you're a hardworking, good citizen. You can open a restaurant. Restaurants, restaurants are the, you know, they are heartland America. They are opportunity for those not educated, and and those also with not a lot of means. 
You can open a restaurant. You can open a family business. You can expand it into a chain. It is middle-class America, a middle-class America business idea and phenomenon. And it is one of the things the left hates. The left does not want people to understand that America and freedom and capitalism and free markets still today are the best the best possibility. They provide the most opportunity, the most possibility for the most people to get ahead in life. And restaurants are one way they do that. Restaurants, when you create restaurants, you have your focus is, is the food really good? Is the restaurant clean and neat? You know, is everything nice and people feel comfortable coming in? Is the wait staff friendly? Can you teach them and train them how to be friendly and how to watch what the customer needs and recognizing, oh, you got to refill her water glass or whatever it is. Restaurants are a fabulous way for a huge swath of middle America to make a lovely, great life in America. Leftists do not like that. I mean, I am I, not exaggerating when I say leftists thrive on misery. They want the American people to be dependent, to be waiting for the next government paycheck, waiting for the next handout. And be, when they become dependent, as the left cultivate them, cultivates them to become, they also lose that sense of self-reliance, self-sufficiency, belief in themselves, which is what people do when they open restaurants. They say, yeah, I may not know a lot and I, I can't, you know, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not going to be a judge, but I could open a restaurant. I'm a really good cook. I'm going to make you know, my grandmother's recipe, whether it's an Italian or a Greek or some other ethnic restaurant, a Mexican restaurant, an all-American restaurant, a hamburger joint, whatever it is. Millions of Americans find their way into stability, economic stability, and be part of the middle class from restaurants. And you got to know the IRS going after waiters and their tips. This is a this is a just you know arrow in the heart of the idea of the American restaurant and especially of the middle class. You know, single family owns a restaurant, doing well, thriving. And everything I just told you. Everybody at the IRS who's making these policies understands this. I'm not saying every agent who shows up at your front door and says, hey, we heard Sally didn't report all her tips last week. I'm talking about the policymakers, the thinkers on the left in this country who would be behind this, who would be saying, yeah, this is a good way to destroy the middle class. This is a good way to alienate. I mean, it's just everything bad about it. I will tell you that, that what I think is a great outcome is, you know, we have this potential of going after the waiters and waitresses for their tip tips that may not be declared, um, because we have a 16th Amendment to the Constitution, which allows this, the uh, federal government to have an income tax. I, I am joining the ranks. I'm very open to the idea. I want to hear arguments on both sides, open to the idea of just eliminating the entire income tax and just have a national sales tax. It's a great possibility. Takes away from the, the this, when you are the federal government and you're the IRS and you can nitpick to death on everyone's income tax and corporate income tax. And did you make a deduction? Did you, you know, did you take too much off for this? Or did you add too much for this? It's a, they have a field day. Any IRS agent could have a field day with any American taxpayer's tax return. Take all that away, national sales tax, I tell you, I love it. I don't know, it's probably arguments on both sides, but I think it's important to consider you'd really be taking away a great deal of power um, out of the um, federal government uh, by just getting rid of the income tax. But this particular thing, this IRS gonna go after uh, waiters and waitresses and get employers to turn them in. Uh, this is th this is Marxism 101. This is Saul Linsky 101. This is Divide America 101. It it's outrageous, and, and I hope really they get, um, they get shot down. I mean, 
figuratively speaking, the idea gets shot down. Okay, one last quick thing. Yesterday, I didn't get this story, and um, I'm going to quickly do it today. Um, I called it, um, who is attacking Project Veritas? And so Project Veritas, as you likely know, was founded by James O'Keefe. And, you know, it's basically all it is is an organization designed to do sleuthing, you know, investigating of entities and people when they're not aware of it. And so they basically, they have a person wear a wire. They have trained people who get inside various organizations or talk to individuals and get them recorded on camera. Now, obviously, people who are caught by Project Veritas don't like it very much, but Project Veritas has been at the forefront of having public school teachers who don't realize they're being recorded, going on and on and on, uh, talking about how they just can hardly wait to indoctrinate their high school uh, government classes, their you know civics history classes into, into being revolutionaries, into being communists. I mean, they actually have teachers who will say this stuff and teachers talking about how they can't wait to push transgenderism. They have gotten... Project Veritas enormously successful in getting these kind. Of, it's just basically bringing the truth to America. Veritas means truth. It's Project Truth. So recently, you likely know uh, James O'Keefe. The last uh, big sting they did before uh, he was uh, at least temporarily removed, but the last sting was brought down Pfizer. It didn't bring them down, but they had a very high-level doctor at Pfizer who thinking he was on a date and bragging, you know, like blathering away uh, and re being recorded the whole time, uh, was saying how he really, at Pfizer, they were planning on trying to develop more viruses so they could develop more vaccines to make more money. I mean, there's more truth in that. I played the clips at the time it came out. But I'm telling you, that was the last thing that, Veritas, that Project Veritas under James O'Keefe did. And now we hear Wow, it's amazing. Project Veritas, the board, has removed James O'Keefe. And you're thinking, I'm just going to tell you what I'm thinking, because first of all, it's not a permanent removal. O'Keefe is temporarily out. He's been told he, as the term of him being temporarily out, he can't talk to the media. Um, I will tell you that you know Project Veritas, like any entity like that, very similar to America's Frontline Doctors, same thing happening there. I'm going to probably tell you that story tomorrow in connection with other COVID stories. Uh, America's Frontline Doctors, uh, Simone Gold, I talked to her on Saturday, actually, for quite a while about this whole issue. So um, I will tell you more about that. But back to James O'Keefe. So James O'Keefe is Project Veritas, or Project Veritas is James O'Keefe. He's the brains behind the operation. He's the organizer. He, he, I mean, he, he is Project Veritas. And so, and, and everyone knows this. So what's happened, there are donors, large money donors to Project Veritas um, who, um, you know, have essentially written a letter through a, a law firm, um, a, a large, it's a law firm called Trotman Pepper, and they are not minor players. Trotman Pepper wrote a, law, a letter to the board um, at, uh, at Project Veritas and just said, we represent a large group of significant donors to Project Veritas. We have grave concerns about the board of directors reported action to remove founder and CEO James O'Keefe from this leadership position and to change the structure of Project Veritas entities and their boards, raising risk for entities' charitable status and operate Project Veritas for purposes other than those for which the organization was established. In short, the major donors are saying, put O'Keefe back in, and then all of you idiots on the board resign or we're not giving any more money. That's essentially the letter. They're saying, you know, he comes back, then you're all out or no more money. And you have, I, when I say 
James O'Keefe is Project Veritas and vice versa. I mean, the donors are not going to give to a bunch of hapless fools who got themselves on the board and orchestrated a coup against James O'Keefe. That's all that's happening. And then deeper than that, I want to point out, when you go after Pfizer, you think of the, the uh, massive number of people who are fat and happy today because Pfizer makes so much money. Because Pfizer makes money in the vaccines. Because Pfizer has a, a, a completely unhealthy relationship with all of the agencies and what this agency capture idea. The agencies in the federal bureaucracy who are supposed to be watching Pfizer and making sure Pfizer is doing the right things. Instead, Pfizer is controlling them, CDC, NIH, uh, FDA. The whole lot of them are in bed together. So the fortunes of thousands of people and, and Veritas, I didn't look it up. I mean, Pfizer, I didn't look up how much money Pfizer made last year, but I looked up before. Massive. Pfizer's making billions on these extremely dangerous vaccines. Reports come out about the dangers exposed uh, about what, what the, the testing during Pfizer, testing the vaccines, terribly dangerous, horrible testing outcomes. And they put the vaccines out anyway. So the number of people in this country and in power in Washington who want Project Veritas to shut up is in the thousands at least. And these people are powerful. So the idea that this orchestrated coup happened against James O'Keefe right after the Project Veritas video exposed Pfizer's astonishing corruption. This is not, the, these dots do connect. There's some, I don't know exactly how it all went down, but I do not believe that the board, as claimed, discovered that um, the um, James O'Keefe had really acted in a terrible way. I mentioned a couple of people's names, uh, but, but one other thing that's happened, this uh, complaint against James O'Keefe by the Pfizer board, it included um, you know, one person. They were saying all these the reasons, the board giving the reasons why they had to oust or at least temporarily oust James O'Keefe, uh, and mentioned one perd, a person who's a Project Veritas donor, apparently a major donor, uh, named Diana Remmers. And um, she put out a statement because part of what they claimed O'Keefe was so bad about was he created a hostile working environment and he wasn't very nice or some, and just these idiotic and also just unprovable and subjective things that, that you know you, anyone can say and make them sound terrible, and there's no basis to know they have any any credibility or even reality. So anyway, Diana Remmers was uh, among the ones that the Pfizer board said as an example of how badly James O'Keefe treats the people there and that, you know, she had asked him for a picture at some function they were at. Let's get a picture together. And he uh, blew her off and embarrassed her and she felt terrible. She has fired off a letter just saying she made a video actually responding, just saying, uh, as a, you know, saying the vernacular, calling caca, calling hogwash on that idea, on that, that she had any complaints at all. She said it was not at all true. Um, she was at some function. He was being surrounded by people who wanted their picture with him. So he just said, can I get it later? She said, sure. She gives it to him later. He gives it to her later to have a picture together. I mean, she's saying there's nothing to this. So this is one that this board, you know, so sure they had a basis to uh, remove him point out, well, look how he treated her. And she's just saying completely, completely ridiculous. That's not what happened at all. Um, I'll continue supporting James. She writes this, or she says this in her video. Um, they're completely false and ridiculous charges. I'll continue supporting James as long as he's a Project Veritas, because without James, Project Veritas is nothing. So that's all I have to say 
want to put the record straight. So I'm going to guess a lot of these stories the board made up to get rid of him uh, were along the same vein of false, pretty much. But the last thing I want to say is how serious this is and the players involved. Very briefly, I'll drop a few names because I'm almost out of my time today. Um, but I'll drop a few names. Uh, Laura Logan tweeted about her. I, I love Laura Logan, by the way. She spoke at our summit last year. She's fabulous. Uh, and she is a truth teller. And she's a truth seeker. She does not take no for an answer. And she doesn't just get easily pushed off. Laura Logan, but who really ran the COVID operation? You know, the COVID operation being, you know, the entire effort to convince America that we all had to wait and die until the vaccines, which were killing people, were going to be ready. Uh, the whole COVID operation, she says it wasn't Pfizer. It was DOD, Department of Defense. Pfizer and Big Pharma were a cover. So when you expose Pfizer, who are you really exposing? That is the real reason James O'Keefe is being targeted. He's a threat to those with the most power. As she had to say, then two other players, actually I'm out of time, uh, put the names, bookmark the names, Matt Termand and Barry Hinckley. I'll have to come back to them tomorrow because I'm out of time. But radio listeners, I want to thank you. You're listening to America Can We Talk. Go to americacanwetalk.org. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I love talking with you every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. Come back tomorrow. For everybody else listening, uh, I want to tell you, first of all, I love doing this show. I always have... Um, you know, more stories in time, uh, which explains why I sometimes talk a little bit fast. Um, and so, you know, I ask for listener feedback when I give speeches um, or speak at conferences and seminars. I say, ask uh, for um, comments, but I always say, uh, do not comment that I talk too fast. And I say that because I know I know I do. I grew up in New York, and what are you going to do? Um, this is um, how we roll in New York. But I, I also really talk a lot, because talk fast, because I really deeply care about this country. I care about this country. I care about uh, the path it's on. I care about that we are we are not in the very, very um, beginning stages of watching Marxism take over this country. America's already gone over the cliff to Marxism. We have at every level of power in Washington, the Marxist ideology taken hold in this country. We are fighting to restore America. That's why I do this show. I don't talk football, fashion, or anything else foofy. I talk about saving this country, and each and every one of us, every one of you listening, we each have a role in defending and saving this precious country. I want to remind you, Thursday on the show, you do not want to miss Thursday's show because I have in studio Trevor Loudon, fabulous American, more information you'll hear in an hour than you'll ever know in your whole life about communist invasion, invasion in America and American institutions. So tune in Thursday. And for now, I will turn to telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our show today talking about Valentine's Day, America Needs Love. Judeo-Christian Foundation of America includes love thy neighbor as thyself and love that love your enemies. Le leftism equals atheism equals hatred of God equals hatred of Christianity equals hatred of America. Take that to the bank. Leftism intentionally divides Americans by race, gender, economic status. Leftism intentionally foments hate as the only response to political disagreement. AOC portrays Super Bowl ad as he gets us God's love for humanity as affirming fascism. That's actually what she tweeted. Loving your neighbor does not require political agreement on every issue. It isn't nullified by political disagreement on any issue. America must return to its Judeo-Christian roots. Loving your neighbor is, I've got to move myself a little bit here. Loving your neighbor is good. Leftism is a poison that destroys and kills if not identified and rejected. 
sorry, I had my screen cut off there a little bit. Okay, um, and FBI goes police state on, excuse me, on Catholics. Leaked memo shows FBI determination to view traditional Catholics as violent white supremacists warranting FBI infiltration to monitor and control. This is how leftism corrupts everything. Catholicism has existed for millennia, a force for good in Western civil society. Identifying traditional Catholics as violent white supremacists is preposterous, ridiculous, and unconscionable. Such a thought should never have even existed in an American law enforcement agency, much less become the official premise for advocating undercover infiltration of a subversive group. Americans have not forgotten their heritage. Current FBI is violating that heritage, is way out of bounds, which is why defund and dissolve and start over is the best prescription for what to do with the FBI. And the IRS goes police state on waiters. The IRS is determined to go aggressively after waiters and waitresses regarding tip reporting. This is a vivid tell of the leftist police state totalitarian mentality. Marxism is built on class envy and division and insisting on no hope of upward mobility. Tax receipts for tips are minuscule relative to the American tax base. So why is this even a focus? Waiters and waitresses epitomize regular everyday Americans. They are not the rich. Restaurants epitomize small business and a healthy middle class. Tax complexity and militant IRS enforcement attitudes toward waiters and waitresses are intended to be a huge burden for small business, middle-class Americans. GOP must pressure the Biden administration to cut the IRS. No need for 87,000 new agents. No need for IRS agents to be armed. IRS is straining at gnats and swallowing camels and it must be stopped. And who is attacking Project Veritas? Pfizer is a deep money, for the, deep money source for the media and politicians on both sides. Project Veritas takedown of Pfizer was monumental. Enormously powerful forces want O'Keefe taken out. Project Veritas donors associated with, oh, I didn't even get to this part. Project Veritas donors associated with DeSantis also want O'Keefe out. Why? James O'Keefe is Project Veritas. Project Veritas is James O'Keefe. There'll be no survival of Project Veritas if O'Keefe is ousted. But O'Keefe can keep going under a new organization. So how vicious will the smears and threats against O'Keefe become? On the DeSantis point, the DeSantis, I didn't get this in during the show, but the two people affiliated with the DeSantis campaign wanting him to win are part of this cluster surrounding removing um, James O'Keefe from Project Veritas. Project Veritas dispute is a window on the uh, excuse me, ruthless political forces at work and stifling opposition. James O'Keefe is an American hero. Efforts to silence him will make him stronger. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Please tune in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. about America.